0: The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Gwena Mercy Academy High School, the Sisters of Mercy, or any related affiliate.
1: Welcome back to the Monarch Impact Podcast. I'm Mary Cummings, junior acquainted. And I'm Rose Mazio, senior acquainted.
0: And I'm Erin Remold, the Director of Alumni Engagement and a member of the Class of 2012.
1: Today we are talking with Diane Dewhurst, a member of the class of 1975. Diane served as deputy chief of staff for the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi for 15 years and was integral in the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Diane left Capitol Hill in 2021 to work with the Biden administration for the National Endowment of the Arts. Welcome Diane. Hi. Hi Diane.
2: So my first question is, what was your favorite subject when you were at Gwantan?
3: Oh, social studies by far, by far. Um, I love social studies, and by the, I started it at. Uh, we called it Mercy then too. I know that now people want to call it Gwinnett, but we called it Mercy. But when I started at Gwinnett Mercy, um, I started in seventh grade, and I went to Bluebell Elementary on Skipback Pike, um, and uh, then transferred over to uh, Mercy, and um, I had had what they called social studies before, but it was more like history and remembering facts. And it wasn't really, I mean, I'm not gonna say that in seventh grade, we got into big theory, but it wasn't big concepts. And I had a uh, teacher who was later the principal when I was in high school, she was Sister Margaret Donahue. Sister Margaret Donahue was the social studies teacher. And in seventh grade, it was about how democracy started. Now, I don't know, you can, you can count and know how many decades ago that was, but it was a long time ago, and it was Rome and Greece, and it was concepts. And I thought, oh, this is such a cool way to, to learn. She was wonderful. She was tough, but wonderful. She, um, and the one thing, when I told my girlfriends from Mercy, who I'm still in touch with, that I had done this for Sister Margaret Donahue, I said to them, and of course, I reminded on the service, on the Zoom service for Sister Margaret Donahue, right after a prayer, how Sister Margaret Donahue had told us about vomitoriums. And one girlfriend said, you did not. I'm like, oh, yes, I did. Vomitoriums, because when Rome was getting terribly greedy and obese, they created buildings so that they could... um, make themselves feel better after giant meals and eating and whatever in vomitoriums. But it is, but that was by far my favorite. Um, she was a wonderful teacher and a, a good principal. She was tough um, and she is one reason I was in public service. And there was a um, anniversary event at the constitution center years ago uh, down in Philadelphia when it was new. And uh, when the Constitution Center was new and Sister Margaret was done, who was there and I got to tell her. So lesson, here's another bossy lesson. If you get a chance to tell people from your past that they did something for you and meant something to you and you took a path because of them, don't miss the opportunity to do so. I was so glad I had the opportunity to do that. Anyway, social studies by far.
2: That's great. And then do you have any specific memories of one that stand out to you? And why did they stand out to you?
3: I guess I would put those in three categories. One was. I thought I could do anything. There was like no task that I didn't think I could do. I wasn't the best student, but I was a good student. I wasn't a great athlete, but I took part. Um, I wasn't a novel, you know, Pulitzer Prize winner, winning writer, but I, you know, is, is the school newspaper still called The Magnet? I I was the sports editor for The Magnet. Um, and I really, I really thought like, it didn't, it didn't occur to me that I couldn't do anything. And, um, when I was a senior in 1975, um, I, um, my family moved. And so I, my first year of college, I went to Ohio University. I ended up graduating from Northwestern, but I went to Ohio University. And my class at Mercy was 39 girls. And I went into level 100 lectures at Ohio with 400, 500 people. And I can remember some of the young women that I were with were intimidated by that. Um, and I was like, okay, never done this before, but let's go, you know, and I give mercy a lot of credit for that. Um, to my friends, I had great friends, really great friends, seven of whom six of whom I can, I will text right after this and tell them that I did this. Um, and, um, they were a great Support network, they were we had fun, we laughed, um, we danced. There are still songs that come on, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Paul McCartney and the Wing Wings, um, you know, that take me right back there. And also I've come to appreciate this more with the teachers and the school itself. This would be my third. I, I, I felt safe. I don't mean, you know, the tragedy of gun violence and those types of things now, but I felt, I felt safe. I felt like I could, you know, beg to please, please, please drop French so that I could take two years of an independent study of Latin. Um, and I wasn't made to feel, you know, any less than anyone else. So I, I, I felt, I felt safe.
0: That's fantastic. I feel like yeah. you would probably agree that you feel like you Definitely. guys feel that way too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still like that year. That's no matter perfect. what, no matter what year you graduate, I think I think Gwinnett makes people feel that way. Great.
1: Um. And then, did you find any interest in politics, like at Gwinnett, as a teenager? Did you start to feel interested
3: at a young age? I wasn't. When I was at Gwinnett, I wanted. To, when I was at Gwinnon, I wanted to be a sports reporter. I love sports. Um, and I don't, you know, now that I'm older and I'm kind of thinking like why, why I did things when I did things, I guess that somebody might say that I was trying to get my father's attention in between two brothers (laughs) for my love of sports, but there was also a woman on television, And I hate football today. I I can't stand football. Love basketball, (laughs) love baseball, love soccer, love women's basketball, whatever. Could not stand. I've got to go find something to do on Sundays because I cannot, just don't like it. One, because I think the NFL has been a terrible organization. And two, I just don't, don't like the sport. Anyway, but then there was a show called NFL Today. Maybe your mothers would know of this. Maybe your grandmother's um and there was a woman by the name of phyllis george who was the first female commentator on a sports show and she also happened to be a former miss america but she had her smarts and she was married to the governor of kentucky i can't believe i can remember all this and i thought wow that's cool she's like there and she did it straight up you know it wasn't like she was doing it like football for dummies she was doing it you know, straight up. And um, I just thought, wouldn't that be cool to be a sports reporter? And in eighth grade, we had to do a, um, it's probably like, I don't know, 2000 words or something like that. And we had to do about what we wanted to be, what was our goal. And mine was called, Here's the Pitch. And I thought it was so clever because I took a sports page and I copied it and I used that as my title page. And I put that on as my title. I thought that was so clever. Um, Anyway, so I wanted to be a sports reporter. I did not take part in politics. I was in. I was in student government, and I was in. I was my class president. But I and I took part in one uh, campaign, passing out literature. I had no idea what I was going to do, what I was doing, and then the woman across the street. Her daughters, the Flannerys, went to Gwinnett. They were years ahead of me, Mary and Kathy. Yeah, McGregor,
0: so. I know Mary well. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, she I helps saw us Mary with um...
3: at the Claire Turney gig.
0: Yeah, she was I here last Mary. year, and then she's also um, co-chairing the Circle of Mercy luncheon this year.
3: Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. That's, that's she's nice. great. Yeah, she <laughs> was. She lived across the street from me. Oh no and way. I, so I, I was in a carpool with them for a while, and her mom was a was Rosemary Flannery. And they were, they're related to the Harpers, all of whom, you know, but Rosemary Flannery was a rabid Democrat. And my father, who at that point was a Republican, but kind of softened and saw the light, (laughs) um, always blamed her for me being a Democrat. Anyway, so no, I really didn't. But I was in student government, which... In junior, and at the end of my junior year with the seniors, we voted, we got the administration to abolish because we thought that the administration wanted the student government to be too disciplinary. And um, that was Sister Margaret Donahue when she was the principal. And we succeeded, but the year after I graduated, they put it back in.
2: So our next question is, what does your mercy education mean to you? And how do you live it out like today?
3: First of all, I love the Sisters of Mercy. They are badasses. Yeah, they are. Um, (laughs) So the day after the former president was elected, there was a women's march Mm -hmm. in Washington and many other places. and. I live on Capitol Hill and I had to work the inauguration for the former president. I, I, I used to, I worked for Hillary at one point and I was a huge uh, Secretary Clinton um, I, to this lover. She was right on everything, but anyway. Um, and I think I, I, might've, I might've been by myself or I might've been with a neighborhood girlfriend and I'm walking down and there's a stage set on third street. So it's, and it's crowded, you know, and the stage is where all the VIPs are speaking. And I'm trying to, you know, get my way there. And, you know, you do a little, if you're ever in a crowd like that, you know, you can kind of politely do a, you know, you drop your shoulder and you move your hip in and you drop your shoulder and you move your hip in and you can get in (laughs) or whatever. And I saw this, I'm 5'8", I'm so I'm kind of tall. I saw this group of women who were really working it, like a, like a little pack, like about, I don't know, eight or nine of them. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get behind them because they know they're, they're moving and they're getting up to that tree area where we're going to be able to see. And so they were very welcoming and we went and whatever. And I said, um, hi, I'm Diane. I live in the neighborhood, you know. Isn't this great? This is so uplifting and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they said, "Who?" I said, who are you? And they said, oh, we're the Sisters of Mercy. <laughs> I love that. Um, I don't remember where they were from. They were not from Philadelphia. I don't remember where they were from, but they were, they were just, um, they weren't particularly rabid, but they were there supporting and being supportive. They're like, yeah, we're here to support our sisters. and We're the Sisters of Mercy. I was like, okay, I'm going with you guys, you know. But also during some difficult debates in uh, some issues that are very difficult for people. When I had gone back a couple of times, they were very supportive and very, um, just very supportive. And uh, so there there I am am big fans of the Sisters of Mercy. Um, I also, and I, I... I think this comes from my background, my mom, and some of, I've, I've had great experiences that I've worked for women. I worked for Nancy Pelosi, I worked for Marian Wright Edelman at the Children's Defense Fund, I worked for Hillary, um, I have a little bit of experience with Madeline um, Albright, um, and my, my boss now is a woman, uh, Maria Rosario Jackson at the National Endowment for the Arts. Um, so I, I would give all of them credit as well, but I also, I like to look out for other women because other women have looked out for me. So that Absolutely would be another lesson even. I would say. Yeah. And women is one of are one
0: of the five critical concerns of mercy, which I think is is obviously you would think that would be most, you know, none orders. But I think the sisters of mercy are very special in that they they indicate that women are one of their most important concerns yeah. and that women's rights are really important to them. So I would have to agree. I think. We have a special group of nuns that lead our school, for sure. Absolutely. Well, and so so obviously you graduated in, in 1975, and then you went off, as you mentioned, to Ohio University. Um, what did you decide to study? Did you go into some sort of journalism to pursue I was sports? in
3: journalism school, and then I got involved in some campaigns, and it was like being on a team. Sports, you know, and I loved it. And I also love the cycle of campaigns. There's a beginning. There's a middle. There's a report card. Do you graduate? Did you make it through the primary? You go to the finals? Did you get, you know, um, and I love that rhythm. Um, so I, I was in journalism school at Ohio. Ohio just felt there was a combination of things. I got sick in my freshman year. A guy broke my heart. Uh, uh, um, uh, i had I had to go to summer school. I chose to go to summer school one year, and I kind of felt like I'd done campus. So in my sophomore year, I decided to transfer, wanted to transfer into journalism school, didn't get into the journalism school because and I ended up going to Northwestern because Northwestern was so elitist about their or uh, their journalism school. So I graduated in uh, political science, which actually got helped me get my first job because my professor uh, Bill Karate, who I have reached out to, but I should find him again. Um, who was at Northwestern, now is at Northeastern, uh, helped guide me get a job in Washington. So I did. And and when I was at Northwestern, I did an internship in Washington, and I came back to campus, and I did uh, I did a campaign. Um, so I did. So I did a campaign in in Ohio. I did a campaign in Illinois. I came to Washington, and then I got. I came to Washington thinking. I would move back to Chicago, but I got involved in uh, some democratic politics here. I went out and did a campaign in Virginia. I went out and did campaign. Anyway, so that's how I, I just, and I, I, I loved it. I, lo- I worked for ABC News for a brief period of time thinking I'd try that journalism thing again. One, it's very cutthroat. It made politics look like kindergarten. Um, and no offense to kindergartners. (laughs) Um, And um, uh, two, I just miss being a cheerleader.
1: Um, So like you say, you got involved like more through like being on a team, but was there a specific issue that like caught your attention and really made you passionate about politics?
3: I liked assessing candidates and seeing how they communicated and how they could relate or not to me. And one of the best campaigns I ever worked on was one in Evanston. And it was a gentleman by the name he's since passed, but it was a gentleman by the name of Ab Mikva. So I had worked for a common cause in Washington as, as a part-time job. And because he was so supportive of, um, common cause's mission which is uh democratic reforms and campaign finance reform and that type of thing i was put on a list without my knowledge i might say uh to work for him and when i got to northwestern i had all these almost like threatening notes from the field director like saying you didn't co- you didn't report for report night and blah 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 blah, blah. jack corrigan i'm still friends with him today and um I ended up working campus for voter registration. So it what this now depends on where you live, but what used to happen is you'd have a, cause there's so many places are same day voter registration. So, but what used to happen is in the beginning of September, there'd be a cutoff date. And if you weren't registered to vote, this happens in some States. I don't know what Pennsylvania is anymore, but you know, you, you, if you don't register to vote, you're out of luck, you know, now it's more same day and people are trying Most people are trying to make it easier to vote. Um, um, And um, so my voter registration numbers for Northwestern's campus and the area, I did very well. And so they promoted me in my volunteer job to be an area coordinator. And so I had Evanston, Wilmette, Benetka, up over to Skokie. Anyway, I had an area and I got into it more. And I remember meeting Mikva. And there was one circumstance where all the campaign volunteers got to go down to a big event in Chicago. And I had taken the Elm, that's their subway, down, but I was going to get a ride home. And my bought my boss said get over there and get in that car and i end up getting in the car next to mrs Mikva. i'm in the middle and ab Mikva is on the (laughs) other side of me because they lived in evanston and so he he spent the whole time asking me about me i wanted to ask him about the neutron bomb because that was one issue i disagreed with him on but um he um I said to him, how did you get all these people to work for you? You know, I was an exception because I was signed up without my knowledge. But anyway, we'll leave that alone. And um, uh, but there was somebody there from Illinois there. I mean, from from northern Illinois, there was someone there from Massachusetts, someone there from all over. And then a hub of, you know, Chicago and Illinois folks. And he just turned to me, he said, I asked them." And that's a really good lesson. You know, if you don't, I say this to my kids all the time, you know, I'm like, if you don't ask, you won't know. And you're no worse off than you are right now. You know, people can say no. And like, okay, I'm where I was, you know, but if they say yes, but I can remember I said, I said, I, sir, um, you know, how did you get all these people? He said, I asked them really? and I love that. I just love that inclusivity. But then when I, and I did communications because being a press secretary was really fun. It was really, you got to know a little bit about everything. You could stick your nose in everything. Um, I liked talking to the press. You were kind of schizophrenic because when you're a press secretary, when you're fighting for your boss or your organization, you're fighting in that direction. And then when you turn inward, you're fighting for the press. So you're kind of schizophrenic as far as what you're, um, but it was great. When I got burnt out from doing that, I thought, okay, I need to enhance my toolbox, so to speak, and figure out what am I going to sell? Everybody wanted me to do communications, whatever. I didn't want to do communications anymore. So I had to narrow down to get to some issues. And mine were on um, largely family economic issues. And I really, I was interested in some health. So there's something called it used to be called SCHIP, the State Children's Health Implementation Plan. Now it's just called CHIP. It's a program that's in all the states now that is for the working poor. So if you're not, if you're if you're wealthy, you don't get it. If you're Medicaid, which is the program for poor people um, and disabled, um, you don't get it. But if you're in that working poor section where you need just a hand to help with things and it's a state run program, So I I did I did a campaign for that and became a not an expert but you know and then I did some nutrition issues Um, and I work for a group called the uh, Food Research Action Council and um, uh, I did some nutrition things so I I really enjoy those types of uh, programs and ones that are close to the ground meaning close to what people are actually doing sometimes in Washington you feel very separated from things um, because we're a representative democracy, we're not a direct democracy. Um, And um, I really enjoyed those.
1: Okay, and then um, could you tell us a little bit about working for um, speaker of the house, Nancy Pelosi?
3: (laughs) Was awesome. She is as awesome as she seems. She is the hardest working individual. But more so than that, she does her homework. And she, people say, oh, well, she was calculated in the way that she, You know? no, she wasn't. When she, whatever her job is that was in front of her, that's the job that she tackled. When she first came to the, <clears throat> to the Congress in 87 after a special election, she was on the Banking and Housing Committee. And she has pieces of legislation today that are celebrated for their anniversaries for the pieces of uh, legislation that she developed. She fought to get on the Appropriations Committee, which is the money committee, spending to appropriate money, funds. And she uh, uh, worked hard to get on that, got on that committee. When you're on that committee, you don't get to be on any other committees because it's such a great committee. And she worked on um, uh, health and human resources issues and had her expertise in that. Um, She then was assigned to be on the ethics committee, which is what nobody wants to do, because you have to sit in judgment on your colleagues. But she did that well, and she was considered very fair, and she had an expertise in those. And then she was asked to be on the intelligence committee, which was her... uh, which was a big time responsibility because there's a group of eight members of Congress who get briefed on issues that I don't even know about. You don't even know about, nobody knows about just them. She developed an expertise there. So um, all of those things wrapped together and the work that she did um, made her a natural candidate, regardless of what her gender was to be a leader um she is if not the best one of the best listeners i've ever heard in my life um there would be times where i'd be like i can't believe she's having another meeting about this you know um and she is loyal to a fault she uh is all those things and she is a wonderful lovely human being she's very funny too which Frankly doesn't come across in her public persona, I think, but she's very funny. Very, very funny.
1: The clapping. Um
3: well, some of her clapping is that she sometimes can't keep a beat, but um, <laughs> but she is um I will forever be grateful uh for my experience with her. And um she's just she's She's a wonderful, wonderful, smart, who deserves all the accolades.
2: It's amazing. So what was a skill that you found useful working for the Speaker of the House during polarizing
3: periods? I guess you kind of try to figure out where you can make a difference and where you can make things work. And Mm -hmm. also be very realistic about what's. Possible and what's practical. Um, I have many friends who are very, I would call them visionary and really gifted visionary folks. I'm good to. I'd like to think I'm good to couple with someone like that because I can then say, okay, lovely, great. What's the there for? What's the one, two, three? Mm-hmm. And um, and. Uh, the thing about Nancy Pelosi and about really good leaders is that they're both. I'm more of a, what's the there for, And I would always try to find that. I also think that this is going to sound a little hokey, but, um, because sometimes life is so tiered, you know, um, I always would try to set an example of, and you can do this. Anybody can do this. If you're in a group, if you're in a circle, step back physically to let other people in, you know? There's a saying that Shirley Chisholm said, said, um, Shirley Chisholm was a Democratic leader from African-American from Texas. And she said, if there's not a seat at the table, pull up another chair.
1: Um,
3: and uh, that kind of has been what I've, what I've tried to do. And, you know, if you have one door closed, um, you try to find another one that's open. But the, the polarization is tough. It's very hard and it's very discouraging. And it's um, uh, what went on these, in January, um, sex was beyond comprehension. Um, and the fact that we have people denying that it ever happened is just, it's beyond comprehension but know that there are people who are involved in public service on both sides of the aisle. And it used to be that there was, you know, a philosophy as to, there was a goal and people had different philosophies as to how to get there. And you could disagree with their approach, but your goal was the same. Now it's, it's sometimes difficult to find where those people are that have the same goal.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about working with the National Endowment for the Arts?
3: I can, I can.
2: So the National Endowment
3: for the Arts is a small but mighty agency, and I'm. It's and there are there are three sister arts and culture agencies. There's the National Endowment for the Arts. There's the National Endowment for Humanities and there's the, oh boy, I never get these right, IMLS, the Institute for Museums and Library Services. Yes. (laughs) Um, And they are responsible for the arts and culture of the federal investment in arts and culture. Other countries have departments of arts and culture. They have secretaries of arts and culture. They have ministers of arts and culture. We do not. So what our money's, our funding goes to is our grants that go nationwide that are meant to help. It's it, it, I think the best way I could describe it would be like federal skin in the game. So if you have an NEA grant, you're going to attract other attention because they've seen that federal dollars are in there to promote Every kind of, every kind of, I was going to say sport. I do think it's like (laughs) sports and arts are very close to each other because sports and arts put you in, in audiences and atmospheres and arenas. Are they all a words? Yeah. Audience, atmospheres, arenas. Um, and you're with people that you might not otherwise be together with, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's unifying. Um, and, um, I think the arts are and I'm not I'm not an artistic person. I'm a consumer. I'm a lover of the arts. I can lose myself in the arts. Um, but they really do first of all, they're an economic engine. Mm-hmm. Secondly, they are a way for us to understand other people and other circumstances that we might otherwise not, understand um there's also true data and true examples of how it is healing both mentally certainly with with regard to concerns that our nation has had and continues to have about mental health um there are pieces of the arts that can help literally help heal um And so we are a grant-making organization that is also looking to um, infuse arts and culture in all parts of our society. So whether that's making certain that when you're designing new buildings, you you don't just have the engineers and the architects, but you have an artist who's involved. Um, or an artist that's involved in something that's called creative placemaking. Creative placemaking is creating like a, I'm trying to think if there's one I know in Philadelphia, but for for me here, I live near Eastern market and it's a, it's a gathering place where there's activities and, and, and uh, a stage and where people come together to create. And, but if you don't make those places intentionally, you're not going to have them, you know? So um, it's a wonderful organization. It's very small. Um, it needs a bigger budget. Uh, I'm not allowed to lobby for a bigger budget because I'm a federal employee. So I'm not allowed to do that. Um, but um, it's got talented, wonderful, committed folks who are looking to help folks as my chair Maria Rosario Jackson says, to live more artful lives and all the benefits that it gives us and helping people reach their potential.
2: That's great. Our next question is, as a woman in politics and now the arts, have you encountered any issues regarding gender discrimination? And if yes, how have you been able to face those issues?
3: Uh, Yes, I have, Um, but I, and, and there are times when you're in a room and you said something and it gets ignored and then a man says it and it doesn't get ignored. And it's unbelievable that it still happens, but it does. Um, I uh, have had the benefit of women leaders that I have worked for and with. and having that connection and getting back to what you were asking me about what mercy helped with having that connection with women and um figuring out ways to help overcome it together um i can remember sitting in a room and i was the only woman and i said and we were talking about hiring and i can remember saying I'm lonely, <laughs> you know, I mean, we real like, come on, what decade are we are in, in here? And also calling, taking a few times to call out. Also pick your fights carefully, pick your fights carefully. Um, but calling out when there was a discussion about, I can't remember what it was, but maybe it was about uh, maternal health. And four mm-hmm. men went in to talk about it. Yeah. um now i'm glad that there are men who are concerned about maternal health but really um so i i guess the way i would say is find folks who are of like mind and they don't have to be all women um but find fine colleagues allies who are of like mind and um there is strength in numbers
0: Fantastic. And so, obviously, you had a strong group of women supporters in high school. You came from, you know, an all-female school. So, I'm I'm sure it was also quite difficult to deal with being a minority, you know, a woman uh, with so many men. But for those girls who are looking into potentially following a path similar to yours into politics, do you have any advice for what they should maybe get involved in or try out before they, you know, kind of commit themselves to a life in politics.
3: First of all, nowadays, there's nothing like there's, there's nothing that's a commitment for life. You know, we have so many, we are so, you know, what's that Hamilton song, even with all the difficulties, what a wonderful time to be alive right now. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, we have so many choices and, um, with the right leadership, everybody should have opportunities. um that's not guaranteed, but we should be looking for chances to have more opportunities for everyone. Um, I would say, and this is very this is very um glib in some ways, but Figure out what you like. Because unless you hit the lottery, have a dowry, (laughs) marry rich, you know, you're going to work for the rest of your life. And to go off happy and feel fulfilled in a job is a great thing. And it doesn't have to even have to be the job per se. It can be what you feel from the job. So for instance, like my, my, my thing was I liked being part of a team. And I liked the, even though I get anxiety in September and January and September because of the school year, I like the flow of the school year. And when you work on Capitol Hill, um, it's like a campus. You know, I worked on the Senate side for, I don't know, however long my bio says, 11 years or whatever. And then I worked on the (laughs) House side for 16 years. And when I left the Senate, I had just had my first child. And when I came back, I had three kids who were, maybe my youngest was like six or seven. And I can remember seeing some of the same guards who were on the Capitol Police who have literally saved my life, um, and should be thanked every single day. Um, uh, I can remember some of the, some of the Capitol police on the Senate side, when I came back on the house side, recognized me, they're like, how's your baby? <laughs> I'm like, my baby's 22, you know, <laughs> so, um, um, it's like, a, so, so even if it's not the job itself, um, this gets back to college counseling again, but my daughter's first college counselor said to her, think about where you want to be, not where you want to go. And there's a difference. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in a job, you know, and, and I've been fortunate to have some, you know, heady addresses and people always, My husband always says, be careful of the real estate, you know, don't get sucked in just because it's the real estate, but think about where you want to be, you know? And um, I wanted to be in campaigns and for a team. And so try it out. volunteer, you know, public service is a big, big, big network. You know, we have an influx of immigrants who are coming into our country who need help, you know, whether it's from the border or Ukraine or other places, you know, volunteer get your hands a little dirty you know um uh or volunteer for a campaign you've got a senate race there a governor's race there <laughs> um but you know and see see what it's like you know you can do you can do doors you can do voter contact through this thing um you know you can do get out the vote. um you don't have to come through a campaign perspective. You can come through through an issue perspective, um, or volunteer in your schools. You know, volunteer. Just see what it's like to be, and find what you like. If you don't, if you don't like it, you shouldn't. You know, sometimes we get stuck in. I've had jobs I didn't like, but sometimes we get stuck in. The job I didn't like the most was running the Himalaya at Geauga Lake Amusement Park in Cleveland. <laughs> was the worst Um, but anyway um but yes i and i would i would highly encourage highly encourage even in this time of partisan divide and etc um i would highly encourage public service there is there have been few more than a few there have been many 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 more days that i have woken up feeling good about what I'm going to do than not. Um, and that's a good feeling.
1: So yeah, looking back like on like your life and everything, is there one thing you wish you could tell your younger self and why?
3: Relax.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's a good piece of advice. Yeah, yeah. Relax. I was very <laughs> uptight for a while, even in my, in fact, when I have people who say they knew me when I was first in, in the Congress, when I was first working in the Congress, I was not elected. When I was first working in the Congress, I was like, oh, God, was I nice to you? Because I was so <laughs> uptight. You know, I would say, re- rel- take a deep breath. Breathing is a wonderful thing.
0: Didn't I have you guys breathe before we got on the scene? I was like, OK, ready? <laughs> breathing <to>
3: <laughs> is a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful thing. And it can, I, as I said earlier, you know, I suffer from anxiety. So I have techniques of breathing that I can literally take myself down and handle that better than if I didn't breathe. Um, But uh, I would, I wished I had learned more to relax.
2: Yeah, I definitely understand some of those like the need to breathe sometimes. So our last question is do you have any questions for current Gwana girls? Like what girls going to Gwen now? What's the life? best thing about
3: Gwennet?
2: What do you guys think? The little community, I feel like the girls here really support each other. Yeah,
1: I like to be able to like be goofy or like do whatever I want without like the worry of being judged. It's very it's a safe space, like you said.
3: It's safe. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a big deal to feel safe. Also, when you visit campuses, go to the campuses when they're not Mm expecting. You know, so don't just go to new student day, you know, go down to a basketball game or go to a play or go something else and look around and see how people are, you know, behaving and what the, what the feel, feel of it is. Um, uh, because that feeling is precious.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you, Diane, for speaking with us and and sharing your time. We really appreciate it. And feel like we've learned a lot. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And we hope you have a really fantastic bike ride tomorrow. (laughs) Thank you.
3: Thank you so much.